Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I'm Scott Jones, the host. And before we get into the show, uh, we're about to interview Paul Romero, who just got off of a 200 and a 100 mile race out in California last month. And the guy is just killing it. And we talk about these long endurance filled activities and events. And Paul talks about a lot about the prep for the race. And I want to tell you guys about a company that Athlete on Fire has partnered with. It's called Recoup Fitness. Uh, they just launched their inaugural product. It's called the Stinger, and it's a recovery product. So if you know what the foam roller is, and if you've ever used an ice cup, and if you've ever used a lacrosse ball for recovery, it's taking the best of all three of those and putting it into one product. And I'm happy to say that I use it. I'm friends with the, the founder, who's a young kid out here in Colorado, who who invented and launched this thing, and they have just now opened up their website to sell this as a pre-order. Their first order will be here um, in mid to late November, and it's really exciting times for these guys, so I just want to let you guys know about it. You can go to recoupfitness.com to learn more. If you're into recovery from any kind of active active, uh, athletic endeavor or just sitting at the desk all day long, this is a good thing for you. So we're going to go learn from Paul about what to do before you go race and go do these crazy epic adventures. So I'm going to step back and let you guys enjoy the show. Thanks a lot. Hey, this is Athlete on Fire. I'm Scott Ginger, host. Uh, We're joined here with Paul Romero, who has been a multiple-time guest on the show we we had to bring him back on. He did some pretty epic stuff here in the last month or so, uh, and we'll we'll dive into that. If you guys haven't listened listened to Athlete on Fire before, you can learn more at athleteonfire.com. And we just recently launched an app on Android and iPhone, so um, go check that out. All you have to do is search Athlete on Fire, and you don't have to go online and download it. It'll come straight to your phone, which is pretty cool because most of you guys. I am assuming are out doing amazing stuff, epic stuff like Paul just got finished with. So I'm sitting here, um, and uh, me and Paul Romero, we have very similar athletic backgrounds. Um, he's done you know more more cycling type stuff and adventure t- type stuff, but in our early days, very similar, very similar build. That's what I'm trying to get to even be- <laughs> before the other stuff. Like uh, I'm six two, one ninety five, two hundred, pretty much all the time, unless I really want to do more endurance but yeah that's where i typically stay and uh paul's been doing some crazy distances at a similar build to me so paul how tall are you again and how much do you weigh scott thanks for having me back on i am indeed as you said you were probably twins man i'm six two i just weighed in at 198 and a half last night (laughs) yeah Yeah, man we're twins for sure (laughs) right on Awesome. So, I, so the reason I wanted to start with that is because I think a lot of guys my size um, just don't think that some of this endurance stuff is possible. And yet, um, you go out there and you just pound it, and you're mentally very, very tough. And uh, and I like to dive into that. But why don't you just kind of tell us what you've been up to, man? I think uh, that's going to be interesting before we get into the to the big details. What events have you done and all that stuff? Well, about six weeks ago uh, was last time I was guest on Athletes on Fire, and. Uh, athlete on fire and i was on my way heading out the door to uh leave canada british columbia and head to california for that tahoe 200 um high altitude ultra marathon and that went pretty darn good that went really good it was uh, a pretty pretty big epic journey for my mind my body and it just went pretty darn good i mean i was leading almost the whole race and I, and, I, and i just missed the win jim trout got me at the end a hell of an athlete he is so that was pretty exceptional. I was came, I came away pretty proud of that man. I went to Maui for a little recovery, and I was about three days after Lake Tahoe, man. And I had a couple of deep sleeps. I had about twenty meals, 
in three days. And I woke up one morning, man, and I looked at myself in the mirror and I put on my running shoes and I, and I went for a run in, in Maui. And I said, damn, I feel good. I was meant to go to the Kodiak 100 to do some race directing and help out run that event in Big Bear in Southern California, man. I called the race director, Matt Smith, my good buddy. And uh, I said, man, how are things down there, man? I'm thinking about towing the line for this 100 just days after the after the 200. And uh, he said, pal, we, we got this. He said, tow the line, come race, give it a shot. And so pretty blessed for that opportunity. So lo and behold, I flew back to California and had a, had a day of uh, acclimatizing back at the altitude in Big Bear. And there I was towing the line in, in, at the Kodiak 100 in Big Bear, Southern California. That went pretty well. Um, I finished uh, uh, seventh place and uh, did 25 and a half hours. Um, 100 and, uh, 103 miles of uh, 21,000 vertical feet. So in 10 days, I did I did uh, 307 miles and 62,000 vertical feet. I was pretty pretty jazzed, man. It went pretty good. I survived <laughs> and uh, you know almost won uh, Tahoe and in uh, to top 10 at Kodiak. I was really proud. So there you have it. That's the that's the short story. Just got back back to Canada here last week. So for the record, you're not crazy enough to plan these two events. They no, were... hell. <laughs> no, planning, that's not, not in my vocabulary. So how, how long before Tahoe did you know you were going to do it? Had you been training for Yeah, that? no, it had been on my radar. So I had paced at Tahoe last year, and I had a blast. So I, I, saw, I saw about 60% of the course last year, and I just it really had it in my mind that I, that I wanted to go there. Well, fast forward to this year and, and business and life and things just, just been keeping me really busy. And I kept looking at it on my calendar and, and then it just, just weeks before, um, I made my lineup that I was kind of going to go. I didn't register. I didn't, didn't really seal the deal, but I, I, I'd made some plans to travel and, and get there. And, uh, I pushed the button, you know, I booked a flight about three days before and, uh, and, uh, made my way down there and registered the day before the race. And, uh, and got myself a crew together. I had an amazing team, and man, I just towed the line, and the gun went off, and and there it was, man. Sixty-five hours later, I'd run, uh, you know, two hundred and five miles, did over forty thousand vertical feet, and uh, came across six mountain lions, and had one of the most incredible uh, trail running experiences of my life. And uh, it was kind of outer body, Scott. I what I'd done physically for that race. I was, I chalked myself. I've done a lot of ultra, ultra biking, uh, ultra adventure racing, expedition racing for years and years. And I've seen my body do some big, bold stuff, but to just grab water bottles and, 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 and a small pack and just run on a marked course, that really wasn't something I've, I've done. Yeah. And I've been doing, I, I am training a lot. I, I have to be honest, of course, but I'm not much of a runner here in BC. I'm, I do little trail runs, um, occasionally once a week. What's little uh, Paul? Like for, for people listening, you know, honestly, I, I, you know, little community runs, 10 K, 12 K, 15 K. Okay. Um, I, I didn't, I had been bagging a few local peaks once every 10 days. We I'd hit a local peak, but it, it really wasn't consistent run training. So I rely on, on, on a, crossfit and a lot of strength training and uh and, and a nutrition program that I, I pride myself on and i thought I, I thought it'd be worth a shot and it turns out it all kind of really gelled to me moving well at high altitude in a in a, in a nice diesel truck pace you know i mean you can imagine 200 miles scott it's not it's not 10k pace man we weren't we weren't breaking any land speed records out there yeah. but it's a matter of managing a, a, an enormous amount of 
assets and enormous amount of um, uh, things that are constantly going wrong in, in a distance like that. So that's where sport came together. So I'm pretty pleased. So here in a few minutes, I want to talk about uh, you know strength and structure versus base and general endurance. We'll talk about that in a minute because that's a that's probably a tenant of your your training that you, that you teach to your to your. You hit, it, you hit it on the head. Um, but before we do, I just had I'm listening. You know, I'm a race director out here in Colorado as well, and I know you've you've RD'd, right? Indeed, yes. indeed, plenty. Less. So, do you ever find it funny how hypocritical we are? Like the worst thing that we <laughs> we hate people who sign up on the last minute. Hate it. Why are you but doing these people, man? Uh, yeah, if I showed you the emails I get from 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 the race director, she was kind, but at the same time being like, "Come on, don't be that guy." <laughs> Uh, but you know, life is just life is it's just struggle. It's a long haul, and it was you know it's, it was tough timing. But uh, I don't know. It's you know she was very kind. Candace is an amazing race director. Tahoe two hundred highly recommended. Candace Bird is phenomenal woman and race director. Man, two hundred miles. You, you, you didn't go twenty meters without seeing a ribbon that course marked impeccably. Awesome, pretty awesome. cool. So l- let's talk about the trail, and then we'll go back on the training piece because I think. Understanding what you did first and then how you did it second would be interesting. So talk about the trail a little bit. Talk about some of the experiences. I always think like the wildlife stories are crazy. The the hallucinations yep. you always hear about ultra runners having crazy yep. hallucinations. Um, talk about a couple walls that you hit and how you got through them. Um, and I'll just let you talk and I'll, I'll interrupt every once in a while when it gets interesting. Scott, we the course at Tahoe, for example, was um, on the mostly the Tahoe Rim Trail. Uh, Tahoe Rim Trail goes around the circumference of Lake Tahoe and uh, of course it's on the Lake Tahoe sits on the, on the border of California, Nevada. It's an amazing landmark. It's one of my favorite landmarks in all of the U S and uh, this trail. Well, my gosh, they, that, that I love Lake Tahoe and nothing against this area for sure, but that trail is beat up. Yeah. Holy uh, rough, jagged, uh, brutal, just brutal, brutal terrain for much of it around the North shore. It, it got smooth and it, it was, there was some nice trail, but my gosh, rough, rough footing. Um, there's an area called the Rubicon, which is the first 100K of the race. You, you go 100K before you get to see your crew. And in that 100K, there was this section called the Rubicon, just massive boulder-strewn uh, mountainsides that was either a foot of moon dust or you were on these large house-sized boulders. Very strange. Very little running, just hot, tough scrambling, and, uh, and this deep moon dust that was just you were in your shoes and just up to your shins in it sometimes. Really bizarre. Um, extremely tough first 100 kilometer, uh, but I felt good. And um, there I was in the lead, just kind of like, oh, shit, I should not be. I have no business leading this race. I was going there for a top 20 in a buckle. And uh, here I was just leading the race. I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not I, I, I going to be blown up and then sitting in my car at, at, at you know, a quarter of the way through the race, blown out. So, but I just felt like a million bucks. I just kept going, just kept going. Um, and I, just to my surprise, I was oxygenating well and uh, my feet were impeccably good. I'm running in those ultra paradigms with no socks and uh, big size 13, spacious, amazing shoe. And my feet were absolutely butter and perfect the whole race. Uh, so no, no, no blisters. No socks? No socks. I did the whole 500 kilometers in, in both races, no socks, um, and no blisters. Do you wear gaiters? <laughs> no gaiters. No, can't stand those things. Is this, the a race... Paul, is this just a Paul thing? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I got some looks and I got some comments, and uh, and the race director pretty much almost insisted we all wear gaiters. It was that going to be that bad? But I have 
I have a little strategy to that as well. And it worked out. Uh, it's very lightweight and, uh, and my, my feet are, uh, my feet are kind of tough, but they're not nothing, nothing overly calloused or gross. In fact, I, I po- polish them and file them and get them, get them good and smooth. This race just kept uh, amazing. The weather was perfect in Lake Tahoe. There had been smoke and fires in the area. So man, there was a smoke factor, which, which went on to play a big factor in, in the end of the race to, uh, to my respiratory. Um, yeah, my respiratory took a big hit from the smoke. That was, that was brutal. Um, boy, I, I just, I just kept going, Scott. I'm, I'm on a, I'm on some formulas, some new adaptogens, uh, uh, formulas of adaptogens that I'm, that I'm using to, to keep me, um, uh, uh, you know, mentally focused, the cortisol lowering, the inflammation buffered, the mental clarity, the oxygenation happening with, um, with, uh, with these formulas. And I'm using this new fuel. The last time we spoke on, on the last athlete in motion, I spoke of this new fuel called core out of Southern California. This stuff is just out of this world An amazing fuel. It worked constantly. I, um, fueled just right. I managed my resting pretty good and, uh, things were going well until about mile one, about mile one seventy ish. Uh, when the smoke just, it, it progressively been getting bad for me. And then I was in full bronchospasm, um, and leaned over on my, on my trekking poles with inspiratory and expiratory wheezes. You, you could have heard me from, from 20 feet away and unable to oxygenate. So I was just, I'd run, I'd come to a stop, I'd run, I'd come to a stop. And for the first time I felt what asthmatics feel like. And I tell you what, I have whole new, whole new empathy for asthmatics because that is a crappy feeling. <laughs> Man, and so here comes Jim Trout running a great conservative race, and that guy just ran by me, and uh, I put out a second win and really tried to get him in the last mile, 190s, and uh, and then uh, the harder I went, the more I would bronchospasm and just and got to a, came to a, a halt. So uh, I just kind of limped my way in. <laughs> Pretty proud of it, though. And um, um, amazing wildlife sightings. Lake Tahoe is full of wildlife, man. Um, I came across several mountain lion, giant buck, snakes, uh, the whole Sierra Nevada thing. It was, it was pretty darn amazing. I didn't wear anything but a light t-shirt for three days, day and night. And we were up to 10,000 feet, Scott. I didn't have to even put a shell or a arm warmers on or nothing. So it was yeah. just one of those blessed races where everything was kind of just beautiful well, and nice. What were the day and night temps out of curiosity? You know, day was probably 80 degrees at altitude. So that definitely feels roasty. Um, there was there was it was warm warm day and then that night had to be i think we got in the 30s 40s um uh but you know when you're just hammering along that's that's just beautiful running weather same thing happened down in big bear it was, it was blessed blessed weather the whole california <laughs> weather was incredible what's your um what's your threshold for for cooler weather because you know so- 30s some people wear a long sleeve t-shirt if it's in, in the mid 30s some people won't like do you have a good cold threshold i do i do i've spent a lot of time in the cold and uh i don't like to be cold no more than the next next guy but i i find um uh to keep moving <laughs> yeah. stopping would have been another story but i don't i don't i don't stop much or, or ever really so um yeah i people tell me i i probably wear less less clothing than than i had a, you know i had a had a small parka in my in my pack so i was i was prepared but i i like to keep it light and lean and uh and with i had this brand new solomon kit uh top and bottom that was just breathing and we're chafing free and uh and everything you know when you got the right kit on it just feels good right yeah yeah. do, do you use any product for chafing or you just you know i did i used foot goop 
I used the new foot goop. Um, he's out of California. This lube is amazing. I did use it on my feet and uh, and down downtown, <laughs> and uh, it things went went just perfect. Yeah. I, I I reapplied every every several hours, and and I finished the race, and I was like happy camper. It's amazing how something that that really isn't going to be a serious issue over time can be such a serious issue in a short period oh. of time. You know, it's like, oh, my oh catastrophic. I've been there. I've definitely been there. Uh, I told the story, matter of fact, during Tahoe, come up a couple of my worst epics, uh, um, um, Sweden and adventure race where I was, you know, I had massive infection in the whole nine yards down there with, with, you know, three days to go <laughs> oh, man. and a few, a few of those tales, but yeah, I've learned my lessons and, uh, and, uh, that's another thing where, 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 all, these things kind of just came together for this race for me and just it just was blessed I really you know a, a chafing can, can be something that and change your whole race with a chafe you start limping you start walking weird and there comes the knee pain which then you get a compensatory hip pain on the other side you, you get shit can fall apart with just one one mistake yeah you know and so I, I was i was blessed i took care of all the little things and uh kept, kept moving how long until your respiratory system cleared up after the, the smoke? Scott, I was uh, I was down. I was I was in pain with on deep breathing for a good three days, two three days. Had that rattle, kind of a lactic rattle and and a tightness and a pain on pain on deep breath was a good three days. And I got I got out to Maui and some good thick moist air and and uh, some ocean swimming and, and it kind of went away one night more or less. But uh, that's some real joke, man. If any time, and the smoke wasn't horrible. I mean, you know, if you can smell it or see it, it's it's, and you go high heart rate and high breathing, whew, yeah. you, you you will do damage. I remember the story of Lake Tahoe Ironman, where they canceled the race with on race morning. People's feet were in the water, ready to swim, and they canceled the race. And people were pissed and livid at them. But I tell you what, knowing what I know now, there was smoke in the area, and and uh, you wouldn't know it till you start going, you know, zone. You go in tempo and, and that kind of smoke, you will get damaged. You will be in in in, in serious discomfort in in not long, not not much time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you mentioned oxygenation was going well for you. So to the lay population, explain what that means. How, how could you tell it was going well? Like, what were your metrics on that? Um, just in general. Yeah. You know, uh, rate of perceived effort, right? And and I I, um, I found myself moving at at really comfortable comfortable. Uh, uh, speed, you know, on at altitude it, with the climbs and everything else, you know, good six miles an hour for this type of distance was was really I was really pleased uh, with that with that pace and able to hold conversation. Uh, there was at times running with other runners and and I found myself with some other you know runners in the front of the pack there for the first several several hours and I found myself just talking full sentence. And where my competitors were, you know, we're at seven, eight, nine thousand feet, and they're just taxed, man. You know, putting out hard, high effort. Um, and uh, man, I'm doing right on pace. I'm, I, I'm, I can speak full sentence. So that, that's for me as a gauge of how, of what, what pace I, I, sh- I, I believe in an ultra. When you're going more than 12, 24 hours, you should be at a at a pace where you're able to hold a conversation. Um, that keeps, uh, you know, that keeps the, the damage and, uh, you know, all the zones in the right in the right place. So. Uh, there I was just just getting away with it, but at a pace that I didn't think I'd be moving at that pace and, and comfortably. But I just kept sustaining it yeah. and uh, managing the electrolytes and and the and hydration, which was which was key. Man, I peed I think every ninety minutes for the entire almost three days. So um, that was that all helps respiratory as well, right? And your dehydrated uh, respiratory goes 
goes at altitude, especially it goes hand in hand with it. So yeah. we're water, water is so damn important, uh, for so many reasons. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about RPE for anybody listening, rate of perceived exertion or perceived effort. Usually we're ranking that between like one and 10, like 10 would be like the <laughs> hardest thing you've ever done. You, you literally had to quit any second. Now one would be like sitting on your couch. So, you know, one thing that we always learn for, for for RPE for effort level is like you just said you should be able to talk but maybe not sing you should be able to speak in full sentences and maybe not scattered words and usually that's happening like right around we use that seven that that number seven as that that marker for, for that. that's right and for people who don't have a heart rate and they haven't gone and done VO2 maxes and they don't know all these things it's just it's a very simple just metric that you can check every once in a while see how you how you feel and if you have enough energy to talk and breath to talk then you're doing pretty well if you're keeping a good pace yeah if you're keeping that ideal pace and it, it all should all all should stay tied together yeah so so mountain you said mountain lions how close did you get to mountain lion uh damn close uh mile 195 four five um i was running with my amazing pacer flavio uh, who came out from Brazil uh, to pace me? He, amazing kid. We're we're climbing a hill, and he's in front of me. And he turns around with his headlamp right in my face. He goes, "Turn around, look what's right behind you." And we just walked past, walked past two mountain lions whose back stood four feet off the ground. These guys look like they look like freaking small ponies. It was ridiculous. I turned around. I, he was twenty, thirty feet behind me, and I just stared at him, checked him out. And he we'd walked right, we'd walked right by him. Oh my uh, I, I, I'm not even kidding, man. We stood there and the, my my pacer Flavio was flipping out. He was losing. <laughs> he was losing his shit. He's let's go. Let's get out of here. I'm all look. There's no point in running. Let's just let's just t- taking this moment. I was a, I was a little out of it, right? I'm going 60 hours at this point, but I was really appreciating the moment. He was just really hanging out. Just through, had appeared he wanted nothing to do with us, and um, and I just couldn't believe the beauty of of, of these beasts. And I was just into it. We walked away from them eventually, and then uh, we spent the next two hours just completely rubbernecking, uh, making sure these guys weren't um, were going to prowl us and uh, and get us. But um, pretty special. That's one of the first thoughts I have when I think back at, at that event was the, the wildlife that's out there. Man, it just happened three times. We had three sightings. Yeah, that's, and, I mean, uh, that's rare. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, we were out in front, so we were, you know, get clearing them off the trail. I didn't hear of anybody else that saw them, so... Um, um, wild stuff. Yeah. So, uh, all right, Paul. I, I have a listener. His name's Craig Foley. He's out in the UK, and he sent in a question the other day regarding pacing. And um, you know, what's important when when putting together a team for for helping with the pacing and all that stuff? What are things that you take into account? What thing? What are things that you don't want to happen? Like, how, what's that whole process for you? The process of getting that pacer together. Finding a good pacer. What are yep, what yep. are good characteristics in a pacer? Yep that that for me uh, for me it was a uh, for me it's a matter of having a good company, Scott. For the, a race like this, um, a race of this distance was really about somebody clearing my head, somebody giving me discussion, somebody giving me hope, somebody giving me something to think about. Um, yeah, as I said, my pace was not uh, was not. Um, you know, if my paces were doing 20, 30 K with me at a time, um, which is, which is, and these are extremely fit, uh, athletes. So of course you've, you've got to have yourself a, a fit, solid athlete that can capably more than capable of doing, you know, the, the speed and distance that you're, 
But more than that, you, you just don't want, you know, if you got somebody running with you and they're running with you, that's okay. But unless there's quality con- quality conversation and somebody that's, that can say the right things. And if you do get into your, 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 your valleys and you have, you, you know, the wheels start coming off and you have issues, you have somebody there that can, that can help oversee your, your crisis, whether it's somebody to look into your, your, you know, your hydration. Somebody just doing a little checklist for you. I love, I love doing checklists. I love talking about checklists, urination food, electrolytes, water, and just do a constant loop of, 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 of all the priorities. So that's what I have uh, my pace of doing and, and, and speaking that frequently and keeping and passing the time and, and, and having random discussions taking the mind completely off the race. You can only talk about uh, your pace and your, and, and your, and your <laughs> speed and your, and your damn piss all, you know, so much. So let's talk about uh, a random uh, politics, uh, the last movie, um, religion, whatever. And boy, you find yourself moving when you take when you can get your mind distracted. You f- can find yourself moving actually better and and and, and at a good speed. So answer your questions, Scott. I, I like good company. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> okay. So what was the last movie you saw before before your race? <laughs> oh man, I caught uh, Cowspiracy, uh, the amazing documentary that I think everybody has got to see. I haven't seen that. What's it called again? Cowspiracy. It's one of the hottest uh, talked about uh, documentaries right now, available on Netflix, of course. Oh, nice! Um, it's probably the most comprehensive uh, and uh, story of uh, sustainable uh, food on on the planet. And it's a California guy that that did an amazing documentary on, on what's happening with uh, with animal products. And uh, I'm, I'm an animal leader. I'm, 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 I'm but uh, tell you what, I this this is one movie that has has made me create some change in my ways immediately. Yeah, like what, uh, what 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 changed? I'm just kind of curious. Oh, buddy, I I have been off beef for 25 years already, and that was due in part because of what I'd seen in Brazil and what I've seen and done rainforest and what I'd heard just out of high school what McDonald's was doing to deforest. Number one uh, um, uh, factor in deforesting the world was McDonald's, and I'd never stepped foot in McDonald's again, and they haven't had beef since then. And I've flown over Brazil and I saw the the, the catastrophic stuff that's happened there 20 years ago. Uh, and what was happening with with all of that, and that's all right back to to being found to be you know the number one uh, cause of of, uh, of of poor of poor food quality and, and water quality and, and oceans. And it, it gets it gets it gets it gets complicated. But uh, anyways, my changes are, are reducing. You know, just today, just today, I made a choice to not go away. I went vegan protein for the first time ever, um, and I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be continuing to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to get away from whey. Um, and I'm already off beef and there's certainly other animal. I still do eggs. I had eggs this morning. I had my bacon this morning, but I might be making some choices to, to get away from, from animal, uh, products that are from animal agriculture. It's, uh, check out that movie, dude. It'll, it'll make you think deep about, about some stuff. Right. So, oh, well. so you know, have, having conversation out there at three a.m. about that kind of stuff is is pretty cool. Yeah, and that's going to last a while too. Because before, you, yeah, <laughs> and you look at your watch before, and you go, "Shit, it's five o'clock. How'd that happen?" You know, and uh, yeah, my, my my go-to on like long hikes and stuff is always just naming states and cities. It's the dumbest thing, but I just, uh-huh. I'm obsessed with it, so it's always fun. Nice. <laughs> All right, nice. so um, so we talked about you like not like you're not the guy that's putting in hundred mile running weeks before you go train for something like this. Um, you're a structure guy, mobility, strength. So let's talk about how someone who's six to 200 pounds, um, can go out there and compete in a 200 mile race, uh, event with 
a certain type of training? Okay, good question. I, it's, it definitely serves to remind listeners that I'm, I'm coaching kind of full-time, which is important. So I'm a student of uh, coaching, teaching, preaching, um, body movement, and good range of motion and, and proper running technique. I've not been a run coach in in past. I don't have degrees to support this, but I have raced and ran a couple of million miles myself, and I've I watch humans move everywhere I go, and and I've also you know self taught a ton. So I love teaching really good run strike uh, strike and gait and uh, and cadence and posture and and so on. So I, I not a week goes by I'm not coaching three four athletes and doing extensive video analysis and and correcting. So and correcting strike and, and gait and whole nine yards. So when you when you talk it enough, it just in every little five K, ten K I go out with 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 B level runners or I go out with some fast local boys, either way, I don't go a hundred meters without me thinking about some correction, some posture alignment, some strike correction. I just I'm kind of a geek like that. So I'm just constantly so when I got the starting line and got into this race in four, six, eight, ten, twenty, forty, sixty hours, I, I got this little loop in my head where I'm just, man, my hips alignment, it's shoulders down, back. I hit, make sure my chin's up, head don't my head forward. I need to be forefoot, midfoot, and I go right back to the head, back up to my head, back to my shoulders. And so before I know it, I'm kind of smooth on my body, lightweight, uh, on my feet, and that and that pays off in dividends, right? And I, you don't got it. You don't got to run 100 miles a week to to get that kind of form. Right. I'm proof of it. Uh, I won't say I'm. I won't say I'm. Uh, I'm perfect. I can always use some. Um, but I tell you what, I, I do work on it that constantly. So I'm not falling apart as far as form goes. And in order to keep that form, Scott, well, you know as well as I do, we've got to have some strength. And that posterior chain has got to be able to hold that posture in, in good, in good pose. And uh, and keep everything in alignment so that uh, so that the posture doesn't go when when you're when when you're you know 100k into these races or whatever. So the pot, if the strength's there and, and the body stays in good alignment, and I'm working on on that light foot and and that proper cadence, it's all then it becomes a matter of fuel, and that, that's a whole other uh, encyclopedia. Uh, but uh, so my size and my stature, yeah, I'm 200 pounds, but um, uh, you know. I do do some cardio. I'm doing some very intense short stuff that just has my VO2 max kind of up there. I'm definitely not, I'm definitely not world class by any means, but I'm able to hold my own on on the hills. And if the fuel's good and the form is good, and you know how to t- attack hills so that you don't throw that heart rate into the dumps, and before you know it, you're just kind of gliding through the woods, um, you know, on your way to a finish line of a big silly race. <laughs> so that's that's the short that's the short synopsis of it, Scott. Would you would you ever say that there's a minimum that someone should be able to do before they they go race like this, or should people just go and say, okay, uh, this is where I'm at. I'm going to see what I have. I get asked that a lot, and I bet I bet you do as well yeah. as a coach. How many miles should I run? What did you do to do a two? Well, it, I can't answer that, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I how I would answer that would be I'd love to see you in the gym moving some moving some heavy weights three days two three days a week i'd love to see you with a physio and doing some floor work hour one hour a day um and you're looking at me like well, no i i I'm asked you about running <laughs> yep. yeah i'm talking about moving some steel i'm talking about um working on mobility i'm talking about going to a track and maybe running 5k with a video camera and, and a playback and um but you've got to have it in yet to, to be able to run through the woods for for some hours that's for sure 
Um, but then what goes in the bottle and the bladder is, is just as important, you know, as well as I do. That good runner, that good form doesn't mean crap when, uh, when, you're, when you're falling apart internally. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a little unorthodox like that. It's definitely my, my, my style. It's the uprise uh, methodology we have here where, where you got to be ready for anything, anytime, and that you can do a lot with, with a little. Uh, I, I am training right now. At 46, I'm training right now about 25% of what I used to when I was really racing full-time and racing bikes 24 hours solo and doing adventure racing full-time, and I was racing my brains out week in and week out. Um, but now I want to say I'm just as fast and fit and stronger. I'm definitely older, but my training is, is a fraction of what it used to be. Yeah, it's amazing how fit. I mean, just being efficient in movement and if you know experience, of course, you're gonna be more efficient in your fueling. There's just so many things that you can cut out with some knowledge, and that's why people hire coaches, of course. Um, I'm actually I'm, I'm working with a, a gal out here who was um, she was a throwers and distance coach at uh, University of Virginia, then. Uh, Nebraska, and she just kind of got sick of the coaching thing. So, she's putting together this program, and it's all it's all power concepts for endurance athletes. A lot of the stuff that you're teaching, and it's amazing how many people believe in it, but how many people are actually applying it is is so minimal. So, there's a lot of information out there for you guys, for you athletes that really want to apply these concepts that athletes and coaches, um, the good ones anyway, are, are applying to their to their <laughs> students. It's pretty interesting. It's so key to seek it out. It's so key to seek it out. I'm, 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 um, you've got, you've got a, a handful of them within arm's reach of you as, as well as I do, that just uh, won't grasp it, just, just refuse it, and, uh, and you see them live in that plateau world. And, and some are happy there. Some are happy just to, just to be plateaued and be out catching sun. And some want those gains, but just aren't, aren't, aren't. Um, you know, I'll say it. They're not smart enough to just reach out and grab what might be under, under the nose. Yeah, uh, it's a pity, but you know, you can you can lead a horse to water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've done this epic stuff in the last in the last month or so. Um, winter's coming up, and it'll probably hit you a little sooner than us. But but what's next for you in your coaching, um, in your competing, just in general? Okay, Scott, I'm up in uh, British Columbia, up here in Squamish, BC. I think is is uh, heaven on earth. It's definitely the multi-sport capital of Canada now. It's pretty special. It's right down the street from Whistler, one of the most beautiful resort towns in, in the world. I'm really fortunate to be partnering up with uh, Four Seasons Resort in Whistler. And we have we are neck deep in developing a really progressive wellness, performance, and fitness uh, programs based at Four Seasons. And it will involve uh, average Joe and Jane on up to elite level uh, coaching and programs, retreats, and the likes uh, at the, with the whole a whole studio, and including some wellness and uh, practitioners, that is going to be very unique for this area, um, encompassing all that I wanted to deliver to to my clients and athletes will be in in one hub, one center, and done in the lap of luxury, and done here in Whistler with uh, with a, a very holistic approach to taking athletes to the next level. And for some people that may be maybe weight loss, for some people that may be a complete revolution in their food programs and, and cleaning up their lives. And for some people it's getting one more percent out of their body in terms of, uh, you know, for the elites and so on. It's really exciting. Uh, it's uprise performance and we'll be uh, uh, launching these programs here in uh, December up here in Whistler. And we're clients will fly into Vancouver um, or drive in from Pacific Northwest U S and uh, spend time with us up here and, 
up here in Whistler and with me and my team undergo uh, uh, custom and as well as already programmed uh, pro- um, uh, programs that will walk and guide you through an entire entire breakdown of, of your life um, inside and out and have you leaving with a program and have you leaving dialed, focused, and uh, revolutionizing your run, your cycling, swim, um, as well as functional training, uh, lifting, mobility, the whole nine yards. Pretty excited about it, Scott. It's it's kind of uh, it's kind of my dream, and it's it, I could have picked I couldn't have imagined I'd, I'd land in such a, a more beautiful place to make it all happen. No, that's that's really cool, man. Well, we'll put the links to Uprise in, in the show notes. We have Thank you. we had those backlogged from our other shows too, so you guys can check that out. Uprise performance. Um, Really cool stuff. You know, you, you guys work with, you. Some, with some awesome athletes. I love who you guys work with. I've interviewed a couple of them. Um, mm. Paul, thanks a lot for coming on the show, man, and sharing sharing uh, what's going on with you. I love it. Scott, you're doing great work. As always, keep doing it. The viewers and the listeners appreciate it. Keep kicking ass, and um, I'm here for you anytime, pal. I hope they appreciate it. <laughs> I can assure you. I talked to many totally listeners that, that, have, that have got on to all of your 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 your, your cast your podcast dude they're they're killer you do an amazing job awesome you guys you guys have been listening to and inspired by paul romero who's obviously and absolutely an athlete on fire i'm going to shoot those show notes out to you guys on on the website athleteonfire.com if you want to check out some of the other interviews and some of paul's past interviews uh just put in paul romero in a little search right there i'm gonna i'm gonna do the easy thing you guys just type it in you can find his other interviews uh as well as some of his athletes like stevie kramer who's a who's a world-class athlete who's done and helped out with some of the coaching that he does up there. Um, and I always love what she has to say. So oh. thanks a lot to, for, for listening today. And until next time, you guys will listen to the Athlete on Fire show. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Athlete on Fire. Stay fired up with additional resources and information at athleteonfire.com.